I'm from Australia, the land down under. I am from Brazil. Hi, guys. I'm from South Africa. Tell me something. What would you say if you knew the world was listening? My boss and his wife are terrible people. I mean, I love my man and all, don't get me wrong, but dude is worthless. <laughs> get back in the loop on What's the Word, the international show of word of mouth. You can find us by keying in What's the Word at Acorn Studio. Episode 15 of Blethered with Scottish WWE star Noam Da. Fuck, I can't say that. Fucking rhymes. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Blethered with Scottish WWE wrestler Noam Da. This was a great laugh to record and we covered a lot of topics. We talked about Noam's life in Scotland after moving from Israel, age 5, his early interest in wrestling, and how he went on to join ICW in Scotland before being signed to the WWE, which is an incredible achievement in such a short space of time. We talk about Carry On with his pal Grado, the unforgiving and inventive nature of Scottish playground insults, and being recognised by fans in New York. Stay tuned to the end to find out if he thinks he could beat up The Rock. Noam is such a sound guy, this was great fun to record, so I hope you enjoy it. Sorry to any wrestling fans who've got any difficulty understanding the thick Scottish accent. Cheers. So I'm here joined by WWE superstar and all-round good c- Noam Dar. Noam, how you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good, Sean. I wish I could say the C word. <laughs> You're allowed to I say. miss being able to say it <laughs> as much. <laughs> when we stop recording, we'll just say loads. Is yeah. that one of the things you're totally prohibited for? Like, are you warned? Yeah, I mean, just profanity and stuff, obviously. We're yeah. a PG company, but that goes against everything <laughs> on your Scottish being Eddie. I try and explain to Americans that, that we use the C word as like a comma or, <laughs> or, or separation for when we're trying to think of the next thing to say aye to any Americans listening because I'm sure there'll be a few of you please don't be horrified by that word we just we use it it's a compliment it's a term of endearment um, yeah Americans don't like that word no I and, know uh, you, they don't. They don't believe when I explain that we use it like you said as a term of endearment to to be nice to people. <laughs> it's an adjective for us, but we don't like over there. We're a unique country, aren't we? Especially when you say it in a plane full of devout Christians from <laughs> from Wisconsin. <laughs> um, we'll go right back, right? So you were born in Israel, is it? Yep. Be'er Yaakov, am I pronouncing that? Right? Yeah, Be'er Yaakov, but it's spelled Beer Yaakov. So. That's always a good laugh to show people that you were born in a place called Bia. <laughs> I kind of breaks that a wee bit. But so, Israeli dad, Scottish mum? Yep, Israeli dad, Scottish mum. My mum's side, like her dad, travelled a lot for work. So my grandpa and my mum lived everywhere. They lived in Texas, Iran. They lived in um, Spain for a couple of years. And then they moved to Israel to work there. And my mum loved it there. So when my grandpa went back home, she stayed. And then uh, she met my dad because she was babysitting his niece or something. Uh, that no way. Uh, so it was just totally random meeting, and she, like, she learnt Hebrew and everything. Did she? Uh, did she still speak it? Yep, I still speak it. That's fluent. mental. Because she, uh, she grew up 
in, in air mm-hmm. um, all their life and then once they started travelling every time they they looked like they were starting to settle somewhere she would try and learn the, the language and the culture then to get moved again aye aye so I'm glad she, she sat in and Israel and met my stupid dad <laughs> <laughs> and then so five came back to air like did yep. you just decide to change her so my mum's family um, she wanted to be around them and stuff and also my dad's profession is he like works on yachts and boats like he, he works at like marinas right okay so obviously there's a lot of really good marinas in Scotland mm-hmm. so there was a work opportunity at Trun Yacht Haven where I spent many many years <laughs> chilling out with my dad while he was just building boats did you ever think you would go in that direction or did you always have a strong identity well company how you started wrestling and all that but did you think that was something you would have went into um not really like I loved my dad's the opposite I mean a lot of ways where he's brilliant with like building stuff and mm. that side of things you know like real real man stuff <laughs> <laughs> he's always been a handyman what's and... more manly than getting dressed up in spandex <laughs> <laughs> that's what I keep trying to explain to him but he wasn't coming to calls <laughs> but um no I, like I remember he would used to try and show me stuff and explain things to me, but I think he knew even from a young age that right. I wasn't kind of into that. But I loved, I loved going in there and um, he used to like jellyfish would obviously wash. This is quite bad, but jellyfish used to wash like into where the docking stations mm-hmm. were for the big yachts, and then when the water would go out, there would just be hundreds of jellyfish. And sometimes if I was annoying my dad or, or not behaving, he would just give me a box of nails. <laughs> I would just go and throw them at the jellyfish. <laughs> it's so bad. That's like um, nobody likes jellyfish. No, I know. Fuck jellyfish. I know. Right? You're right. They piss me if they touch you. Like, <laughs> I've done that as well. <laughs> that's like a mad nautical version of the the story I was telling. Where when I was that bad at art in school, and I was such a disruptive influence on in the class that the teacher would face me at the window. And he would give me a, a tub of glue. And I, I, would, <laughs> I would dip my fingers in there uh, and then just sit with my hands up and let them dry and then peel the glue off because I oh, found it pure therapeutic. Like that it would, sounds brilliant. It would just get me to shop and then I'd be like, other people would put their hands up like, sir, I need more paint. Sir, I need like more of this material. I'd be like, mate, I've run out of glue. <laughs> At least I wasn't sniffing it. I know. Um, That's brilliant. That, so you seem to have quite a strong Israeli identity as well. Mm. Like, obviously and their pure strong Scottish identity like is that like a do you see them as two separate things or is it like just is that who you see you are your Scots is really um it's such a random mix mm. so it's always been hard to like there's nobody I've ever met I've never met a Scots is where they're like oh be a Yakov mate <laughs> I, I can it <laughs> you know what I mean like so I've never had anyone to kind of talk to and think and I guess Israel has its own strong culture as does Scotland mm. and they're both like we nations, yeah. so to speak. Um, so I think there's a lot of similarities there. I love that. I guess I just love the community in Israel and the, and the way people are with each other. Mm. And it's the same with Scotland. So there is a lot of comparisons, but there's a lot of differences also. There's obviously a big. I think people listening will be thinking about it. There is obviously a lot of sensitive topics and issues mm. in, in Israel, which happening sort of politically and in terms of military and stuff. But I have to say, I, I can. And I have my opinions on that as well. But I have to say, I've only ever... Any Israeli people I've ever met have left an impression on me yeah. as being really, really friendly and really nice. Um, I think people need to make start making the distinction between citizens of a nation and the government. Of course. Like your average punter, or you, isn't he exactly deciding yeah. on 
No, we'll not go into that because that is a whole other yeah, thing. A... But I feel like I'd like to say that because um, sometimes I feel Israeli people do get a hard time. Um, not wrongly. I mean, there's so like there's so much stuff going on, and there always has been issues. And I guess growing up, I was quite ignorant to it all because mm-hmm. when you're actually there in the country, you don't obviously you're aware of like the military like presence, uh-huh. um, but you don't see it it's not like you're walking down the town to go and get your, your messages and, and stuff's kicking off so you, you don't really feel it and uh-huh. there's not like that kind of pressure to like I just when I was younger like when we moved back here mm-hmm. when I was five and then I would go back to Israel like every year or so to visit family and up until like I was 12 or 13 until I started opening my eyes a wee bit like mm-hmm. I, you never saw anything you never got the impression that there was any issues right so it is a difficult situation even the UK and America their military exploits and deeds across like spanning centuries it doesn't then mean that I'm responsible for that yeah. and it's like it's, it's again it's a conversation to get deep into another time and I'm nowhere near equipped or um, informed enough to speak sort of authoritatively on it but aye and it's really there's loads in Barcelona so I yeah. live in Barcelona and there's hundreds of them like they're just always I don't know if it's like a really popular destination for people it's, it's popular for everybody but uh, on nights out and all that and I always really warm and friendly um, but what, so growing up what was life like well not just generally was it I mean did you get a hard time because you're fair but you're obviously from a different background uh, like Scotland's unforgiving like kids are wee dicks here yes um, so the biggest thing that I remember from being young like I was lucky in the sense that like I definitely get like bullied and slagged a wee bit and stuff but not like the bad kind of bullying if that makes sense I not the bullying that we kind of all get it yeah it's like Kevin Bridges in his autobiography says everybody gets a shaming uh-huh. and you have to just take it and if you can't take it you get can I take a shaming shaming like yep. you're, you're always getting something well it develops who you are as a person and I think there is elements of importance to like you said go through that and, mm-hmm. and get slagged a wee bit and stuff and like you need a tough skin to be from Scotland but uh-huh. you also need to understand that a lot of times it's just people having a laugh trying to trying to get through the day like Aye. I think laughter's therapy so sometimes when folk are just ripping the piss out of each other they're just trying to forget about what problems they have or, or even if they're like projecting their issues onto other people obviously when I was seven years old <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of this I know, when like, people were calling hell. me no ham in the fridge <laughs> you know what I mean so I wasn't that aware at uh, seven years old I don't want to make it sound like mate I can I can I can empathise man Sean McDonald oh, yeah. are you old McDonald can I get a McChicken sandwich <laughs> listen see if you're listening Rob Gillespie you yeah. fucking prick I you're don't getting for- it we're coming for you we don't forgive and we don't forget once we finish these coffees you're next <laughs> so um, hey, but it's funny like even a name like Sean McDonald is inherently Scottish like you couldn't be more Scottish and they're still finding a way to slag it I know, which like, is the beauty of the country like I remember so people would never really slide like like it was weird I don't think folk in the street and stuff knew that we were foreign because like my dad's like really really tanned mm. but when I was at school and stuff the second you say the name I think that was enough for people they didn't need to <laughs> think about where it came from <laughs> um, and I talking about the creativity of some Scottish wee bams I remember we used to go and play seven aside 
and this guy that was like mates with for a long time every time I'd see him he'd have a different thing like I ain't no ham in the fridge <laughs> I ain't no gammon like, just like any type of food related <laughs> like sometimes it wasn't even pork it was just alright no peace and then <laughs> <laughs> lunch every time it was brilliant and then it was one day that I showed up and he was stumped he was like alright uh, he took a wee second I think oh this is it he's, he's ran out of pattern and then he turned around and went alright Jenny de pad a piece <laughs> <laughs> so you know how you obviously had to start doing friends like primary five or whatever that was amazing and I thought it was, it was so good and, I was, and uh, I've never forgotten that Scottish power man just the wee guys the creativity is great know. they don't have it anymore I know I, ch- I try and I walk about the streets and shout at wee young kids all the time <laughs> no part of that probably just t- terrifying <laughs> come uh, on say something about sandwiches and fillings come that's on. amazing um, you started thing man uh, you started wrestling at 13 mm-hmm. you didn't first I'd like to hear about how you get into that but I also want to touch on and I'm just saying this so I don't forget so you didn't actually do your first match until just before you turned 15 yep. which is, is would I be right in saying that's because the coaches took it seriously like it's not just something you would get thrown into yeah um, that for sure and well I was quite unusual that like I started really young mm. so a lot of people start wrestling training like 16 and upwards and then obviously in America most of them do like amateur wrestling in college and stuff but it was strange that I, I didn't start watching it's not like I watched wrestling since I was 5 or mm-hmm. like growing up I started watching it when I was 10 9 or 10 so st- still kind of quite late on and it was really just um something that I used to watch with my, my grandpa he like he and I were, were best mates we used to go to Air United games all the time he lived next door to us and we'd, I would stay there a lot of times so like he we would sit and watch wrestling together and, and I think obviously he saw that I enjoyed it so he encouraged it and yeah. he bought like Sky Sports and everything which Class. is like a million pounds a month or something. <laughs> oh, mate, I remember man it was the first day at Sky uh-huh. in like 2001 or something like that or two and they made a pure big deal, like a mad ceremonial thing. It's huge, I, man. I came in and I was like, I can't believe it. Like, I remember thinking, this is it, this is the pinnacle yeah. of my life, this is never getting better. It's great. Like, we like we grew up like, <coughs> working class and, and, like, poor, but not, like, not poor where you felt it. You don't like, know you're... You don't realise it yet. My mum and dad were always made doing work, and, uh. and then, um, so my grandpa obviously had a bit of money from all his, like, travelling work and stuff, and uh, when he gets sky and all of a sudden, I have pals that I didn't know I had. <laughs> I know. Messaging me and Bebo, like, oh, can I come and watch Futurama? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, road, I need to see Road Wars. I don't know what happened in the last episode. I, I remember that as well. It's, but it's, oh, it was brilliant. And then that was that was me. I was hooked, so I, I would watch that. And then I would only really watch Smackdown because Raw was on, like, Monday nights at, like, 2 in the morning. And, and then every time there was a like a, a, a big pay-per-view I'll just get the day off school the next day or whatever nice. to watch so I, I watched it as a wee guy and I was more fascinated and into the wee skits than I was uh-huh. the, the actual yep. wrestling and I found it so fa- so interesting back then it was Big Show Mankind Kane like the pure the pure OGs man, yep. like Stone Cold and The Rock and all that do you think, mate, do you get to interact with any types of people much? Yeah, um, the only person I haven't had the chance to 
like talk to or work with is Stone Cold because he's he's not really around it anymore. Um, but the likes of Big Sean Kane, uh, not so much now. But like the last couple of years, Big Sean was really active. He was on the road every week. Mm-hmm. You know, cool guy. And I think for the first four months, he just he just kept making Irish jokes at me. That's <laughs> like it's close enough, big man. Guinness, mate. I, I don't, don't <laughs> <laughs> Proper morning. That but, must be mental because you're you're watching these people and they're such like this um, abstract, almost fictional yeah. people because they're worldwide famous and they're larger than life as well. Like, it's not like you're meeting a footballer or an actor. Like I remember the first famous person I met was Billy Boyd. Hey, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I loved Lord of the Rings. Me too, mate. It was the best. I watched a wee thing with Mad Samwise Gamgee in it the other mm. night, and I was just like. You're no Johnny, you're Samwise. <laughs> like, what are you up to? Go and get Frodo. Put that gun down. Um, so that, I remember that was the first time I met somebody famous. And I was just like, oh, he just looks like a normal person. <laughs> and that was encouraging. And then started meeting like famous wrestlers and they're like seven foot two. Uh, Big Show is, is one of my, my favourites. Just uh, sitting, watch, he has like those e-cigarettes. And you know that Kevin Bridges bit? A wee vape. So he has it, and he's so big, right? Like, I know he's the big show and he's big and telly, but when you see it in real life, it's uh, insane. Uh, so you'll just sit in the locker room with this e cig and you'll just hear the air leaving the room. Is it going. <laughs> and then he just blows this big. It's like a dragon, man. <laughs> you're trying to get ready, and all of a sudden it's candy crush flavour all over the place. <laughs> That's mental. I can't even imagine that, like, seeing these people kiss a. As well, you grow up watching them. What's um, the big man, the Rock, Dwayne? Does he get called the Rock anymore? Do you need to call him Dwayne? I just call him whatever the fuck he tells you to call him. I just call him, all right, my name's Noah. That's my name, all right, big man. That's You're the tooth fairy. These people know who you are, that's crazy. So it's just cool, it's nice to meet them, and then they always, they're always like helping all the OGs that you mentioned whenever they can have the chance to watch, like. John Cena would will always sit and watch the new guys and give advice and like he's he's there like he's the busiest man on the planet mm-hmm. and he's there usually before everyone else set up ready to go and then he's watching the entire show he does his bit and then he watches everything after probably so just a proper pro yeah you don't get to you're not at that level and no, we'll come on to you as well insane. unless you're dedicated and committed obviously you've got your physical. Uh, preparation and requirements are needed but also then the other side of the business because it's an entertainment business yeah. isn't it um, but we'll, we'll come on to that one thing I wanted to talk about your mate Drew Galloway yes so he was the first wrestler that you kind of came into contact with he came to your school yep. didn't he mm-hmm. to fight what was Mr McLean Mr McLean he kicked Mr McLean's he did yeah leathered him so again when I started like getting into wrestling I never thought like oh I want to do this one day mm-hmm. like I'd never had that thought in my head of like this is a sensible career path or it's even possible I just assumed like you had to be American yeah. or you had to be in the f- family or you know or like it just wasn't even in my, my thought to think I'm going to be a mad wrestler <laughs> and uh, he uh, Galloway was obviously the first one from, from Scotland to get signed to WWE and just after he got signed right before he moved he'd done this charity match at mm-hmm. Belmont Academy and Mr McLean for anyone that knows him was like an ex-bodybuilder okay. so he used to just 
be jacked all the time but then like he would just have like a bodybuilder's tan and he'd be, tell, he'd be telling you about binary code and everything <laughs> he must have not get any shit in his classes eh? not, not at all and then obviously everyone thought he was a hard man I mean he's the nicest guy ever he's so cool he was always dead supportive in that but everyone was like oh Mr McLean's got a barless stupid wrestler <laughs> and we all went siding with Mr. McLean like I was a Mr. McLean fan fanboy getting ready to jump in if he was getting bad but and um, they set up I understand now like how ridiculous it was like for Drew to do this but they set up like a ring with just judo mats which is okay but then to like mimic the ropes they just used like safety tape like almost like police do not cross oh, right, and then like four road cones I find uh, it amazing that in your school in here they had that safety tape <laughs> <laughs> and it just looked like I mean it was obviously for charity so if you're Aye. doing something for charity you can really you can get a lot of creative liberty Aye. Um, but I just remember he just battered them and all the all the other teachers were just kind of like what, what do we do here? <laughs> it's for charity, so... Are you teachers get very stuff? I don't think uh, Mr. McLean will be able to do double computing after this. Did um, did but, you tell him that what through once she kind of... Oh, yeah, the second, the second like, I, I met him and started to get to know him, I was like, you're part of my computing teacher. Was that at ICW? Um, so, I, I think the first time we started working together a lot was at ICW because he, just as I started training that's when he moved to America the first time he, he went to right, WWE okay. and then the, like he would come back and forth every now and again and he would do like training seminars and stuff but never really got to know him then and then once he came back after his first run that's when he was on the road with us full time right. and we you know got to know each other and, and work together and stuff I saw him on a night out in uh, 2010 in Royal Exchange Square mm. I'm absolutely not massive and he fucking yeah, is so they joke man. I was like saying I was going to smash him yeah. I was saying if he like hold me back before I end up knocking this guy out <laughs> luckily he realised it was a joke or else I would have got my head stamped in like, so when he, when he came back in the road and we started like hanging about and that the first thing he said to me was like every time I'm out in the air I get wee dafties coming up to me saying no one's going to choke slam you to hell <laughs> <laughs> Because I remember, like, my pals would text me, like, seen that mad wrestler out last night, tell me you'd bat him. <laughs> what is the chances of two wrestlers, WWE, come from it's the same bit? so weird, isn't it? Aye. Absolutely bananas. And then there's also another, there's a female wrestler. She's from Ayrshire, one of the wee villages. That's she's better. she's in WWE now as well. It must be something in the water, man. <laughs> I know. Always just the Ayrshire bullies. Aye, I know. Like, you just get a hard time and you just kind of rise up. We need, um, but it was... So I remember meeting him there and I got a picture in my, my old flip phone of him just doing a bicep pose. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that lasted about four days so I realised I can't walk about with this guy's biceps in my wallpaper. <laughs> so it was um, it was actually an older, like one of my older mates that he was like a long-term wrestling fan he'd been watching since he was five. And we used to like mess about in the back garden just doing backyard wrestling and jumping about like dafties. And he was like, oh, I really want to do this. And he found a like a wrestling camp in London. Right. So it used to be these like intensive couple of week camps for like new people who would go. Mm-hmm. And if you like managed to get through any of the initiation stuff, you would then get invited to do more camps and so on. Right. So he'd done that a few times back and forth. Like and uh eventually he there was a school opening up in Scotland 
and he obviously made the contact there and he said it was in just outside East Kilbride and he was like um, I'm going to go and do this and if, it was on a Sunday if you want to come and at the time all I was thinking about was like right I'll go and get professionally trained and then the next time all my pals want to do backyard wrestling I'll just be the best <laughs> <laughs> but I won't tell them I've been doing pro training just like, I, mean, you, I, just, I just know this uh, it's like you go for like one of those football summer camps uh, with SFA and then come back and do five a sides with uh, the, how uh, do you see now how, how to do that as a dancer because I've never seen him doing that anyway why has he got a tactical whiteboard in his pocket <laughs> um, so that was honestly the the only reason I was kind of inter- interested right. in, like, and then again I didn't think I'll go and train and be professional and blah blah mm. So we would just go every Sunday, get the bus up, and it was like kind of five hour days, so quite long. It was like it was just one day a week, and straight away I was just like, "This is." I was just, I was enjoying it for what it was. Mm-hmm. It was like you know how you used to do stuff when you were a wee guy, like if you went to karate or if you'd done judo or like even like sometimes a few weirdos would play badminton and stuff because they didn't <laughs> play football. <laughs> but I played football growing up, and then. I remember doing judo because that was the closest thing I could find to wrestling uh-huh. and then I found wrestling and I was like well this is my hobby so uh-huh. I'm sorted so you obviously just something you genuinely loved yep. and just doing it for the enjoyment and it's kind of gone on and on um, you started helping out at shows and all that and yep. wrestling is mm-hmm. that, so was that your first sort of entry or foray into the organised world of it yeah wrestling's really especially British wrestling because British wrestling has like a long history because mm-hmm. obviously it was massive in the 70s Aye. and stuff um, so it was, it was very hard to break into the business and it was like a like a closed group you know mm. you had to like know people to get in and the initiation process was long for a lot of people and obviously over Sounds the years like the fucking masons or yeah <laughs> well I mean it used to be like that but because it was so secret and obviously before like the internet and stuff they obviously had to keep the secrets under wraps and mm. we can just let anyone and tell them how everything works Aye. Um, but obviously over the years a lot of wrestling schools have lightened up and it's become more of a business and a bit more like you can't just batter folk weeks on end take <laughs> yeah. the money and then you not let them do stuff so Aye. but the school that we went to had like traditional roots so they kept a lot of that stuff true and it's called paying your dues and that's really just like you said it's just doing what you can to, to help be mm. proactive be respectful to your trainers and your peers going yeah. to go to training doing helping out at shows selling merchandise like helping with setting up the ring taking it down just kind of whatever you need to do but again like for me at the time because I was so young I didn't I didn't see that that's what it was I was just like oh this is great I just Saturday I go to a wrestling show right. and I'm sitting listening to like a bunch of these mad old guys or like obviously they were older to me at the time but right. I was at school Monday to Friday listening to my pals talking about Beyblades or Call of Duty and stuff and like as much as that's fun then I would get in a car with these four adults who have lived life and from all over the place one Japanese one English one American and they're just talking about this all insane stuff like mind blowing like eye opening stuff when you're that age so it was just like always a buzz and then you'd go and help out and do your thing and then you'd go to training the next day I get what you're saying about the paying your dues and as you say you didn't realise that that's what it was because yeah. you were enjoying it and it's probably as a tester of does this guy really love it or is he here for less um, honest reasons or yeah. try to get something out of it or is it you're pursuing it for, for something that you love and aye, that must um, shape you as a person doesn't it being exposed to older people who've yeah. been there done it and then you kind of pick things up for them well it's also the 
kind of common misconception that wrestling is just like this big joke mm-hmm. or like at least a lot of like schools and stuff try the hardest to make sure that that's not what it is because mm-hmm. when you're watching the TV and stuff and folk are jumping about and it looks fun so a lot of people want to go to wrestling school and just see what they do what they're seeing in the TV so we didn't even like we weren't allowed in the ring until like after six months of the first training so we would just do stuff on the judo mats and you would just learn like just kind of shoot style wrestling so almost kind of like legitimate wrestling style mm-hmm. and, and it was kind of in like knowing how to like fall and stuff before we even got to step in the ring because mm-hmm. I mean day one I was thinking right I'll go in straight to the top rope moonsault <laughs> wave at the guys tell them you know, but that's, that's not the case so uh, I think it's, it, it's it's physically taxing on your body yeah like it's I think people people say it's fake or whatever and I think that the lines are being blurred between what that actually means yeah there may be an element of planning and scripting to yep. it but you're still getting you're still jumping off the top of a ring you're, you know you're yeah. still getting absolutely flung about Um well it's people are like it's been called as like combat theatre or like aye. live entertainment or whatever way you want to like kind of conceptualise it but wrestling now is going through this weird period where it's okay like pe- everyone is aware that it's that it's a work and mm-hmm. that it's like you said those staging elements and stuff but now it's nobody's getting their intelligence insulted so there was a weird time in between like essentially when the internet started becoming readily available mm-hmm. where you could just find out everything you need to know of like how it goes on and stuff by just typing it into Google so whenever like maybe like 15 years ago when people were like oh, I think it's fake is it fake and you know those questions uh-huh. were there and the product on TV was trying to convince everyone that it, that it was 100% legitimate uh-huh. people were kind of left like am I dafty for watching this and enjoying it it's, uh-huh. it's almost like imagine watching Game of Thrones and being like is this real I mean I know the dragon's not real but I do think she can maybe change her face and like so that's kind of I know it sounds insane when you compare it I totally understand what you mean by that the best way to look at it is like imagine you go to like a a tribute night and it's an Elvis impersonator Mm -hmm. he's up on the stage and he's brilliant he's the best Elvis impersonator you've ever seen and then he comes you meet him after the show and you're like oh mate you're the best Elvis impersonator ever that was so good man and the guy's like no 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 I'm Elvis. What are you talking about, mate? I'm Elvis. <laughs> so that was the kind she of disabled. yeah. That was the weird thing. You'd all of a sudden straight away you'd feel like this guy's an idiot, and you would feel like you've had your intelligence insulted. Uh-huh. That was the kind of weird transitional period that wrestling went through. Mm-hmm. Now that it's such common knowledge that it is entertainment, fans are allowed to enjoy it for what it is, mm-hmm. and casual audiences are allowed to watch it and be like, "Oh no, I know one hundred percent. Like everyone is aware of what it is. Nobody's." Mm-hmm thinking that we're all actually Elvis Aye. so you can enjoy it for what it is and that's like combat theater, Like that's sort of such an interesting way to explain it and I hope people under, like that basically you're explaining to me there what I had not occurred to me because yeah. I watched a few years ago the ICW documentary yeah. and I remember being like this is fucking amazing this is so entertaining Um did you watch, have you seen the Rogue to Wrestler thing? I haven't had a chance to watch it, I'm going to watch it this week. Aye, oh mate, it's such good TV, good. Yeah, it's brilliant. absolutely brilliant TV. Really I'm so well. happy for all those boys. Aye, it's, uh, and they're so likeable, like Mark Dallas um, and the two guys, uh, it's, it's fucking terrible, because the two guys that were involved in the training. Lionheart Jeff, and Lionheart Jack and Jester. Jester. Yeah. Aye, Lionheart and Jester, were dead likeable, and obviously there's the element of theatre to it, 
um, when you're watching the actual show. Yeah. But seeing, you know, their professionalism, again, their physical capabilities, because, so, as I would describe the show, for anybody that's not seen it, Rogue to Wrestler, BBC Scotland, uh, and it was essentially six misfits, uh, and I say that in, in the nicest way possible, selected to take part in a, a training camp and they're eliminated sort of one by one, and yep. Sunday gets thinged in. And it was really interesting seeing like the character development, like the banter, the sort of, and then the physical aspects. You know, there's fit. There's a guy, one of the, one of the guys was a really really fit ripped guy, and he was in tears because of how physically demanding yeah. it was. And watching that, I was thinking there was like a not that I didn't respect it, but there was a an increase to the newfound respect for the, you know, for that element. I mean, what's it like? for how much of a physical demand it does put on your body, that must really put you through all sorts of shit. Yeah, absolutely. I think I was lucky again when I started, once I started getting on shows and stuff and, and being backstage and around older, more experienced wrestlers, I was lucky to have a few guys that I looked up to that really explained to me that you know longevity is a key, mm. you need to be intelligent with your fitness, like how you recover, how you look after yourself, the way in which you choose to like to wrestle mm-hmm. how you need to you know really look at it is like you want to be able to do this for 15 to 20 plus years and that that is a big ask because I mean a lot of guys like with any kind of physically demanding sport the, the longevity is always an issue so I got clued into that quite early on mm-hmm. um, that's obviously not kept me exempt from injuries I've had like knee surgery and a couple of other wee niggling injuries over the last 10 years or so but it's it's all part of the process that's because um, that's what people what, again take me back to the whole people saying the whole fake thing and all that it's um, it's you're still physically performing these yeah. things so you're having to get surgery and all that that's mental yeah the, the fake stuff I mean I've not like again I've been in like bars and stuff and pubs with folk that they'll it'll come up that they're a wrestler and everything and then like a guy will be like oh that's fake and, I, and I've seen like my mates go right you outside square go because <laughs> it irritates them and, and ah, fires yeah. them up I've ah, never yeah. really been someone that gets enraged when someone's like oh, that's, that's fake that's stupid get a real job blah 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 um, <laughs> because obviously that's like their opinion and right. there's no point trying to explain it to them it's like trying to tell somebody black is white yeah. they would have made their mind up and again it's just and then if like I think there's some things in wrestling that I think oh that's stupid I don't like that yeah. and like so everyone can like and dislike what they want mm-hmm. um, I just the only thing that would I would never I no I don't think anything like that really annoys me honestly maybe it should maybe I should get fired nah, up and stuff quite, but it's not really worth it you're quite right um, I want to talk about ICW yep so I feel like it, would I be right in saying that that helped develop a lot of your partner because that's a strong element in yeah. your sort of character and stuff in the WWE. Like, what was that like? And is that all? Was that almost like being back at school where you need to just develop this thick skin? ICW was life changing. So again, I was doing like we independent shows every now and again from like fifteen to seventeen. So. It might be one show a month. It would be kind of local. It'd be like a family show, and then um, every now and again I get to go down to England and and maybe like do the pre-show or something on like mm-hmm. these bigger events. And I was always like, again, in the mind of like, oh, this is great. This is just 
something I do, but I was still very much Monday to Friday, just a regular schoolboy mm-hmm. studying and stuff. And then ICW relaunched because it used to it used to be a thing like before I started, and then they shut down and then they were opening up again. And the first show back was in Mary Hill Community Centre. Right. Okay. Uh, and I had never been to Mary Hill <laughs> and um, Dallas got in touch and put me on and I remember going there and hearing all the hype about what it used to be and stuff mm-hmm. and it was like an 18 plus show and for me again my perception was that wrestling audiences like in Scotland and the UK was just families and, and wee kids mm-hmm. so I used to a lot of my early matches were at the like the Haven holiday parks right okay so like Kaitara and all these places all the buttons aye, aye. and that was I mean that was honestly just pantomime for Wayne's basically because the, the, the MCs would be like talking along and commentating and it was like light hearted yeah, and fun and it was good for getting experience and being in front of that many people but ICW was like a whole different level but that first show there was there was only about 20 people in the audience really? but it was still this the same product so to speak like the mm-hmm. same commitment from the boys the aye, same aye. commitment from the team that, that puts it all together and I was like this is this is great this is going somewhere and then everything changed once we went into there used to be a a nightclub called Apollo 23 I think just under Walkabout right oh aye on Renfrew Street where um, the John Glass Comedy Club mm-hmm. was as well aye and then once we went in there and I had like a small, intimately like underground vibe to it. Mm-hmm. We got maybe a hundred or so people in there, and then like that that night was amazing. I remember that because I was like, seventeen at the time, <laughs> Dallas had to used to sneak me in the back door oh, yeah. <laughs> in case I got ID'd. Like oh, I'm part of the show. You know, <laughs> you know what I, mean? I hope we follow some of us. Dallas's door getting kicked in. Oh, he's getting kicked in for loss. <laughs> <laughs> What I like about it is it's because um, I remember watching the documentary a few years ago, and the whole Grado thing and all that as well. And I thought it's done like no matter the scale or the amount of people, as you say, it's done with the same commitment, yep. and that just breeds and generates like a, a credibility and a legitimacy, and uh, like a, a high standard, a professional standard. And it's funny, like it is funny. And Grado's some character as well. Did Did you have much work with him? Or, like, yeah, um, things. Me and him have been really close mates for about eight years now. He's been uh, no far for you, aren't he? Yeah. Um, he, so again right before I started he used to do a bit of wrestling and then he, he stopped and then once I was starting to kind of like get going and working a lot more and getting out and about I'd done a show in Paisley Student Union right. and Grado had just finished working he used to work at the fire station like on the calls so if you phoned oh, you 999 <laughs> and said my house is on fire you'd have Grado on the phone going that's your cell was the cat alright oh, <laughs> he was he was amazing at that job but he yeah. won an award and it was on STV and everything and you'll need to look it up multi-talented he is and yeah uh, he's he's got a lot more going to him than people give him credit oh, for oh aye like, have, you, have you seen much of Scott Squad's new series I've just binged it all recently I love it like, aye I, was watch, I watched Thursday nights last night yeah it's so uh, good they stop, a, they stop a magician because yep. he's get like he turns out to be a magician's not get any insurance or license and <laughs> that but he's distracting him with magic tricks <laughs> and Grado wants to let him go because but he's such a like a funny actor yes um, he's great he's, uh, he's, he's excellent so when I the first time I met him I'd done this show 
and the the MC or like the announcer, the ring announcer, like phoned in sick or whatever last minute, so they didn't have anyone to announce the show. So Grado just finished his shift and he came down still in the uniform and he was like, "I'll announce the show. It's easy. Just introduce people and this is you have to follow in main event." Blah blah yeah. blah. So I remember just finished my match and in the back watching and he's in the ring and he's, he's like fire my <laughs> like you're following contest is set for one fall introducing to the ring for, and then his phone goes his phone's in his pocket <laughs> and there was like 200 people like an adult audience in the, the, in the, in the venue and he answers it and it was his mum <laughs> and also again because he's just so funny and, uh, and yeah. on the ball like he just made it part of the shtick uh-huh. so he was just like mum I'm introducing wrestling say hello to everybody she was like and then it just made it part of the show Aye. And, I thought that was off land uh-huh. and it was just him and then we had it off there and we started travelling every weekend together we would like just go down south for shows together and stuff like I really helped him like get like places in England and he's helped me with so much as well mm-hmm. um, and again just being from the same kind of area we just had it off and, and uh, we're lucky to it's hard when like you're close with someone in wrestling and like you spend a lot of time with them and then obviously I had to move to America and stuff and he's uh, so busy as well so like we st- we're still like in touch every day uh, it's just the same and I think that's important he's a uh, he's a good laugh as well I just had a thing may have a story there I had Joe Hula on the podcast mm-hmm. he created Scott Squad and he was saying that he was on a train and he texted Grado and said no way uh, X Factor woman yeah, Alexandra Burke yeah, <laughs> and he's like saying he's got a tweet saying she's spy- yeah. he's got a tweet Alexandra Burke saying Joe was spying on her and talking about her and all that it's and Joe saying he was sitting like a pure paranoid right? like kept looking at her like please don't look at Twitter like please don't look at Twitter <laughs> the first time the first time I went to America was um, with this company called TNA and we'd done like a like a almost kind of like a reality boot camp kind of X Factor show and mm-hmm. we were like the finalists go to America and then we spend a week on the road in America and me and Gredo went together and uh, we were just we started in like Nashville and they got us like a, a big RV and then they drove us from Nashville all the way up the east coast to like um, to Washington and like we'd done like loads of little wee random towns like the Carolinas right. and stuff and we were just in America together for a week just having a laugh and the like we weren't too happy professionally with the way things went and we were like a wee bit kind of down towards mm-hmm. the end of the, the holiday um, well <laughs> there you go there is the reason we had a holiday <laughs> so I remember we were connecting on the way back in New York mm-hmm. and then we were flying home for another show and we had like a couple of days in between and halfway during the, the trip Gator was asking me if I've ever been to New York and blah blah, blah. and I was like, "No, oh, it's first time in America." And he was, like, "Oh, it's the best." And then he had rescheduled the like book tickets, like rescheduled the tickets, and like got our flight out a couple of days later. Right. So instead of connecting New York, flying straight home, we connected New York. He booked us a hotel for a couple of nights and just sorted out a couple of days in New York no for way. us. Well, Obviously, I when I was I was like nineteen or whatever, absolutely Aye. skint. Like, and he's Aye. like. I've just sorted as a couple of days in New York, man. We can't connect and just fly away from the best place in the planet. Like, we'll fucking. Ha- oh, yeah. Sorry, mate. you can see whatever we'll, you want. We'll, uh, we'll have a ball, and um, it was amazing. It was perfect because I was so down after uh-huh. that trip. 
uh, then we got to New York together and had That's a few class. days there and it was so good New York's absolutely unbelievable mm-hmm. it, just, it doesn't even need to be said does it I had something kind of similar I was flying back to work I was in Florida for a month and uh, I was flying back to New York and I get delayed in Florida and I was meant to fly to New York and then fly straight to Glasgow like a few hours later yeah. and there was delays and I was honestly just sitting like fingers crossed like please 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 like just make me miss this flight missed it straight into Manhattan just went out went absolutely mental yeah. it's, oh, it's, the place is incredible man because I, I remember flying in <clears throat> like we're connected on the way in as well and seeing the skyline New York yeah oh mate it's unbelievable so you see that skyline everything and I was like you like fly over this Central the first, Park the first time in America I was like oh my god it's like from the movies and everything aye and I was getting off the plane to go on a wee plane to go to Nashville aye and obviously Nashville was really cool but at the time I'd never heard of it I knew aye, what it was aye. I was like why am I like it's right there New aye. York is right there let me go there Wait, this is my experience I, on the way to Florida I flew into Newark and we're flying over I'm like oh my god there's Central Park yep. there's Empire State Building there's a, and then you're on the for the tarmac you can see the skyline and I felt I'd, I'd been before but I honestly felt like I could have spewed because I'm yeah. like I can almost touch it and you don't lose that feeling like I was in New York two weeks ago I've been there a bunch of times it's uh, still the same when oh, you see that everything it's like overwhelming it's unbelievable isn't it um, so that that couple of days that that he sorted for it was, was so what good. a legend I know just doing that that's, nicest guy that's so, the type of pals you want to have yes he's brand new so the, the WWE move then how did that come about like the that opportunity so I was doing a lot of like UK indies and um, I was lucky enough that I got to a point where I was just able to do the shows that I wanted to do so then that meant that I was like really motivated and committed to the work that I was doing mm-hmm. instead of you know just spreading yourself too thin and, and trying to do four or five shows a week right. Um and I didn't have like a lot of financial responsibility I wasn't providing for anyone I just needed the money that I needed to pay my digs and, yeah, and just have a good time yeah. um, so like for me if, if I could have stayed full time at ICW like that was I was like set at that age like mm-hmm. I think it was like nine, 18, 19 when we started doing like UK tours and yeah. then all the, the stuff um with the Insane Fight Club documentary and everything, so everything was blown up, and we started working towards like the first shows at the bars, and then it was building up to the SECC. So there was just like constant development, and Aye. it was a great team. Um, and then I was at, it was January two thousand sixteen, and I was at my pal's house playing FIFA just after Christmas. And the phone went, and it was a mad number, <laughs> and I just thought it was someday. Like, it couldn't be good. I'll, 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 aye, when, you, when you grow up skint, any number you don't recognise is not good. It's not good. I'd end up buying PPI or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just that gullible. And I was playing FIFA and I was getting beat, so there was no way I was answering it. Um, and then finished the game and had a voicemail. And then again, when you're that age and you get a voicemail, you're like, Shut who is this? I thought it was maybe the university or something. Because I went to uni straight after. Uh, I finished school right. and I was at uni for like three months travelling to Glasgow every day and then trying to do independent shows at the weekend mm-hmm. and I was I'd, within like two months I had been to like one lecture and I was like <laughs> what am I doing here I'm, yeah, I've just done I've just went to uni because that's what you're supposed to do um, and I packed that in and then I thought maybe that was them phoning me saying that my homework's late or something <laughs> <laughs> honestly don't know I still don't understand how uni works nah me neither it makes no sense I've got pals that are just out 
drinking all the time and then all of us they get like three months of the most stressful time of their life Aye, I, 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 I never I don't get it either like I sometimes use a room in a, an unnamed Glasgow University to yeah. record podcasts and I kind of look about and I'm like how do these these all look as if they know what they're doing and uh-huh. I, I, can't, I still can't even get my yep. head around the concept my cousin Erin um, see if she was 14 she had she was like I'm going to go here I'm going to study this then I'll do that and I'll take this this module like, I don't even postgrads and this like, and that what the fuck and, does that even mean yeah and I remember honestly I went to a handful of lectures because I, I didn't want to live in Glasgow because I knew that if I was there then I would just get stuck into the student lifestyle right. just drinking every day and stuff and that Good would mess thing. up training and wrestling and everything so I just stayed at home so I was travelling every day and I, the best I remember just sitting in a lecture thinking don't know what he's saying but how cool is this we don't need to wear uniforms <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing normal clothes. This is like non-uniform day, but I don't need to pay a pound to children in need. I'm allowed coffee. I know, this, this is great, man. This is like America. Here. I'm such an adult here. This is like Disneyland. Um, so I, I, I jacked that in. So that's what I thought the, the voicemail was going to be. Uh, it was like trying to get some of the bus side back or whatever. And uh, <laughs> it was a, a voicemail from William Regal, who is one of the head talent development, talent relation guys right. at WWE. And obviously someone that you'd seen in the telly growing up. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I, f- I thought it was a prank because I've got a mate that we would used to, like on long journeys, we used to, he's amazing accents. Oh, mate. Actually, it's Lionheart. See the guy that was in Room to Wrestler? I've got a couple of good stories I've been waiting to tell. <laughs> so tell me this. So he, he's brilliant at voice and stuff. So on long journeys when you're driving back from like Wakefield or Leeds or just one of these random English <laughs> towns, <laughs> And you would just do pranks now, and he used to prank everyone, and he used to phone folk and pretend he was certain promoters and, and, and oh, book them. Oh, <laughs> no way. It was so good. It was the best. Amazing. It was so much fun. So I thought it was him at first, but then obviously I looked at the number and looked into it, and it was the the area code for Stanford, Connecticut, which is um, the head where the WWE headquarters are. Right. So I was like, this is either the best prank ever or it's legit. So then I phoned back, and they wanted. To do, they wanted to sign me for a, like a tournament. They were doing like an international cruiserweight tournament. Right. Um, but there was no mention of anything long term. They just said we would need you for these four dates during the summer mm-hmm. in Florida. Um, and then that was really it. They didn't say like, oh, this is there's potential for us to go forward. Right. They were very like, these are the dates. This is what we were interested in for you just now. So obviously, I, I took that straight away. Some opportunity, a foot in the door. And then the. So it was like four tapings in Orlando right. every month from like June to September. Mm-hmm. And then the second taping in July, like two weeks before my 22nd birthday, they offered me like a full-time contract to move over and stuff. And obviously, again, it wasn't something that I was like thinking about or prepared for or mm-hmm. expecting. And Gredo was in Florida with another wrestling company at the same time. Mm-hmm. So after the show, like we were meeting up, and I was just in the pub and, and like having a laugh, and I was like, yeah, "I just got w- offered a WWE contract." Yeah, <laughs> He's like, "No way!" <laughs> and we just fun. celebrated all night, and then the next day um, we flew back together. And one of the things that you don't see in the TV and stuff that Gato can be like the most crabbit guy ever. Can it's yeah. hilarious, and then once he realizes he's being crabbit, then. It makes him laugh. Aye, so aye. he just sees how crabby he can get. Aye, aye. So the next day we were both rough as flying back and we had like two connections and everything. Oh. 
and he was hungover and rough and I was just sitting there like <laughs> paying for like three pound cans of Diet Coke no <laughs> care Thomas Cook bring them on no how much for a tub of Pringles here we go he's five <laughs> want a tub of Pringles um, that's, that's, that's magic that, so that must so then you'd moved over what's life in America been like because like? obviously it's a far cry for here so signed the contract about August time and then the move was set for October and then obviously in those couple of months um, I'd done like a lot of independence like a lot of like last shows like farewell shows just making sure I get everyone get everyone in so I was really busy with that uh, so it never really set in I was moving until I finished my last independent I gave myself a few weeks after that before moving mm-hmm. and then I had never again I'd never like I remember wanting to live in America before I knew anything about wrestling mm-hmm. just because Cool, it just it? looks cool and um, once it set in like that I was being moved in my life and like I was literally still staying at my mom's house right. like I'd never thought about like it going I guess I never had it in my head that I would just go from one stage like to the next that much or that bigger jump I, in my head it was going to be like I'll start doing like go to Japan and do a couple of months there because that's one of the really good steps career wise and, oh, and yeah, it's like okay. good for like I guess like smaller guys like myself mm-hmm. where I know what my friends do where they go to Japan for a few months they come home they do the independence and really that was m- like my original ambition Aye. and then I was obviously always wanting to go to WWE but I was expecting it to be later in life and mm-hmm. it would be a bit more of a sensible adult but Aye, <laughs> uh, it. and then uh, so yeah I moved in October and I remember as I, every time I went back for the tapings I would do one of the, the jobs so like I had pals that had already been in WWE and they were there and they helped me loads mm-hmm. so like the, one of the times I went I would get my social security number Aye. and then the next time I went I would look at apartments and I just remember like even looking at apartments the woman was like I knew where I wanted to live and where it would be easy for like travelling and getting to work and stuff mm-hmm. and, and my mates were living in that area and I remember the woman like walking me about trying to show, show me and everything I'd never been to like any flat scenes or house like nothing I'd never looked at houses online I'd uh, no like you know how like folk go in and they're looking at stuff and they're, they're evaluating it and they're like checking the checking like the the voltage or the fridge or whatever yeah. <laughs> underneath, <laughs> underneath like I don't know any of that <laughs> I literally remember she opened the door and I just looked about and went I TV will go there, couch there, this will do hand so chairs. <laughs> she was like, you don't want to see the new feature in the washing machine we have? And I was like, oh, I need to do my own washing. <laughs> can, what t- can you come and do my washing for me? Can you help me? Um, so so that was it. And it was it was honestly... Flung in at the deep end, yes. it? Like just growing up and mm-hmm. getting used to life. It's probably the best way to do it. Absolutely. Like, uh, finding it. I mean, and WWE is so great at, like, helping Aye. their talent with so many things. They have so many different departments. So, like, we have like financial advisors that can come, you can speak to and help. There's all sorts of like different branches in the, in the, the company, so that helped loads. Because a lot of times I was just phoning one of their like assistants, been like, uh, "I've just got a letter through the door, and I don't know what this means, and how do I do this, and getting phoning, a license and all that." Phoning something like that. it says on this uh, microwave macaroni and cheese, I have to pierce it. <laughs> Does that mean I have to take it off and pierce it, or do I pierce it? How many? Th- I, that's the sort of shit I used to phone my mum with. Right. I've like, mum, uh, I've got a sweet potato here, right? And there's a wee sort of thing growing at it. But I, can I still eat that? And she'll be like, I like just constantly. I just like, I like, piss off. Yeah, um, it's, it's hard though. Like, and I know we sound 
unbelievably spoiled and privileged <laughs> to be like, ah, Mum, I, I don't know. What is conditioner? I know. Right, even being in Spain, I moved to Spain at 22, and even right up until like 26, 27, my mum would come out and just cook for me every. And yeah. it's not that I can't cook, but your mum's your mum. I know. Your mum will come out and look after you. Like my it's good for the relationship as well. Like I know. I think she keeps enjoys it. She enjoys it. I love having her there. She's brilliant. Like, and it's fucking magic, man. Like we'll go to supermarket and she'll be like. Or the wee supermercado, yeah. and she, she's like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, for a genie to pad a piece. <laughs> <laughs> well, she like like miss. I your always going to look after. And she, what's what's the fame aspect like? Because you're fucking very well known, probably especially in America. Like, how do you deal with it? Um, so wrestling fame, like for lack of a better term, I don't know. It's hard. It's kind of hard. I don't really feel. I don't feel famous and I don't see mm. myself as that like I, like getting recognised and stuff is just really a, a good opportunity usually to just meet folk that are just like sound and they yeah. enjoy what you do like don't get me wrong you get weirdos and dafties but Aye. for the most part any interactions I've had like that is positive like I've seen and again like being around being around like these mega stars Aye. like you see like you see what that type of fame does to them where like a lot of times you'll have people waiting at airports and you'll get they'll be there to oh can you sign this picture and of, yeah. and it's kind of easy and pleasant and it's okay even if it's like, like five in the morning or whatever but when you start getting up there like the likes of Randy Orton and everything and like mm-hmm. Seth Rollins Roman Reigns like these guys get sl- legit swarmed it's like it's like they're not real people Aye. do you know what I mean they're treated as such and, and they're all so good with their fans so like you ever see one of them walking through the airport it's, it's insane Aye, like, um, so I guess because I've seen that level of it like I've never felt any like negative aspect from mm-hmm. people that happen to recognise you and I suppose when people stop recognising you I want to talk to you as well that's yeah. when the alarm bells yeah, like, will start ringing so I know I mean that's all been so positive so far I've not had any negative experiences the only I remember a random situation where where I guess I, the first time I was exposed to this was one of the first times I was in New York in America and we had a couple of days off and like when I was in with WWE not with mm-hmm. though and I went to go see Aladdin a couple of the boys and I put pictures up just on my Snapchat and, that and my Instagram uh, just like oh Aladdin Broadway here we go uh, <laughs> and then when I came out there was like four guys were like pictures of me just standing outside (laughs) and then when I was in New New York for WrestleMania last weekend we were doing like access where you kind of you're just like meeting fans like a big convention and you're signing stuff a guy come up and he's like hey man you remember me and I look and I was like I can't place he's like remember when you went to see Aladdin I was outside bro in Broadway I was like, and then that's obviously why I can remember it. So like, that was one of the first experiences. I was like, wow, you maybe don't realise sometimes the the reach that you have. But Aye. and in Scotland, everybody's sound like Aye. it's it's good. It's like see because they right, so they've just seen your Instagram mm-hmm. and produced a picture yeah. of you, right? So know how like it'll be like an emergency break glass. Like, like they just get a picture <laughs> of you hanging. Like if you happen to be Aye. nearby, or he's like fucking flying in his wee fireman's pole and all that, the alarm's going off yeah. saying you're nearby. It's, it's crazy I mean and a lot of times you do you get you get such nice fans that, that reach out or they, they send you stuff so a lot of like um, 
fan mail and stuff gets sent to the performance center and WWE for a lot of the talent. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's like kind of almost like a PO box for us. Right. And sometimes you get stuff sent with just letters or just people just opening up to you. And it's not right. even so much directly to me as it's it's just like to wrestling in general and how much it helps them and stuff uh-huh. and like it's, when you see stuff like that you realise how much of a, a positive influence mm-hmm. wrestling can be so it's it's hard to then never be good to people that are in, interested in you yeah, like I, I have seen plenty of folk be assholes to uh-huh. fans um, but I've just never never really mm-hmm. been like that Mark I mate Mark Wallace um, I can't even mention him he's such a massive wrestling fan as well and I think it's maybe similar for him as well probably yeah. gives him a lot like it's something he's really into that and Partick Thistle I've actually Mark I've still got your signed Partick Thistle bill mate and I'm <laughs> sorry I've not got it to you but I have got it so that's I'm saying it on here that I've got it do you know another thing you can you're a character in a video game yeah <laughs> how, mate that is so cool see whether it's FIFA WWE or anything like that's when you've made it like you can sort you can be played uh, as a video game. Did you have to do like, a voiceover for that? So yeah, we have to do like a bunch of scans. I didn't need to do a voiceover, but you have to do like all sorts of scans, and then you have right. to do like your movement patterns and stuff. That's so funny. Um, and it's like it's a cool process to do that. Like, I would, obviously, whatever I'm doing and working away in America and stuff, like a lot of old pals and everything. Like once you put up a picture from a video game, that's <laughs> that's when they're like, "No way, man!" <laughs> like, right, thought you haven't heard from ages. It's what, nice. What I love most is. We'll kind of round up when we've got a quick wee quick fire game to play before we finish. But I think I'd say what I love most is you're a normal guy, thoroughly decent, doing exactly what you love, and still being alright. I'll say it on your behalf, alright, good. <laughs> so well, right, I mean, it's important to me to to always be a, a right goods. Aye, good guy. <laughs> a good. A good Tuesday. A good yeah. Uh, I think that like just the way I am as a person and the way, the way I see life, I, I think. You just you have to be like that for yourself, your own happiness and uh, your own well being as a, as well as the people around you. Aye, uh, and coming for here, people only exactly. like you're yeah. like, you'll get you'll get called it for straight yep, away. Definitely. Um, right, the quick wee fire getting finished. So I'm gonna say the names of people or things, and you say yes or no, depending on whether you think you could smash them. Okay. Right? So number <laughs> one, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No. Celtic captain Scott Brown. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what I would do is I would just phone up my big mate Dwayne, aka The Rock. I call him Dwayne because we're boys, <laughs> and I'll say to him, "See how I had the chance to smash you, and I and I let you go. Can, <laughs> can you come down to Glasgow and help me uh, batter Scott Brown?" Right. That's so it. The Rock and I could batter Scott Brown. Right. Next one. A small to medium sized bear not yet at full physical strength. <laughs> <laughs> He's not yet at full strength. Oh, he might be a bit inexperienced. He might think you're trying to play, you could play. No. <laughs> I like bears, man. Bears are nice. You're not going to like this next one. Then, <laughs> <laughs> not whether you want to, but whether you think you could. If I could. I don't think I could smash a bear. Right, okay. Even a small to medium size bear? Even a small to medium. I, I've seen them at the zoo, man. They've got a look in their eye. So I already know the answer to this one then. An average size bear that's now reached full strength in general bear type abilities as a result of multiple years <laughs> in the wild. The answer's no. Let's let's no. ICW tap boy Mark Dallas. Yes. 
Right. Even if he had his golf club and his bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> right, I'll tell you that story off here. Right, a Rottweiler that's fucking raging because it's been tied up out the back of a house in Castle Milk. For... <laughs> Wait a minute. So I'll say I'll start that again. A Rottweiler that's fucking raging because it's been tied up out the back of a house in Castle Milk for hours and it's starting to get really agitated due to the car alarm of a 2007 plate, Renault McGann, <laughs> that's been going off for four hours straight. <laughs> Could you smash that Rottweiler? Yes, because everybody knows the way to beat a Rottweiler is to stick a finger up his arse. <laughs> well, but after that, cuddle it. Talk about puppies, maybe. Away you go, your queer hole. Final one. Me. Oh, definitely not. No way. Good All love in here. I was just about to offer you outside there. Yeah, what Mate. we can't see is that you're pointing a big knife at me right now. <laughs> Mate, thanks for your time and good luck at the show tonight. Thanks very much. Thanks, Sean.